A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. <laughs> the following program is a podcast1.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Fragile. It must be Italian. This, this, this is Talk Is Jericho. Talk Is Jericho, starring Chris Jericho. Oh yeah! Welcome to Talk Is Jericho. It's the pod of the night. And rock and roll right before Christmas time. Let's get the weekend started with the one and only purveyor of rotten jokes. It's Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, the bass player for Guns N' Roses, Duff McKagan. Hey, Chris Jericho, this is uh, Duff McKagan calling you. Um, I was going to ask you, um, what do you call a, uh, a Frenchman wearing these sandals? A Frenchman wearing these sandals. Philippe Philippe. <laughs> Thank you very much. Philippe Philop. <laughs> Took me a couple seconds to get that one right. Uh, I can barely get a laugh going for that one, though. Actually, no, I thought that was pretty funny. But thank you, Duff, for always phoning them in. Literally, uh, Duff is now finished with the Guns N' Roses tour until this summer. In the meantime, and in between time, I just saw today that he's putting out another Walking Papers album, uh, one of his solo projects. So uh, no new Guns N' Roses record, but there is a new Duff McKagan record. So that's always good news. And there's a new episode of Talk is Jericho, which is also always good news. And today we get back into kind of the spooky, mysterious, conspiracy theory uh, type of a show. Uh, It's History's Mysteries. We're talking all about the uh, unexplained, strange occurrences throughout the course of history. And I'm doing it with uh, my good buddies from Gemini Syndrome, uh, the band that we toured with a few months ago. Fozzie Gemini Syndrome went out uh, in the United States for a few weeks on the uh, Judas Rising tour. I got singer Aaron Nordstrom and drummer Brian Steele Medina from Gemini Syndrome. They're here. Uh, We're not talking music. Like I said, we're talking histories, mysteries, theories about the history of the world and religion, stuff like the Freemasons, which Brian is actually a member of, the Illuminati, the ancient Chinese mafia, Stonehenge, and the pyramids of ancient Egypt and Mexico. We're talking about the Gospel of Thomas, Jesus Christ, evolution versus science, 
and the eight levels of consciousness that Timothy Leary was in constant search of. It's some pretty deep stuff, and it's all very uh, creepy and very thought-provoking. Fascinating conversation with Aaron and Brian of Gemini Syndrome. Uh, like I said, we recorded this in September when Fozzie and Gemini were touring together. This show is going to make you think and ask questions right down to whether or not Christopher Columbus truly discovered America and what really happened after he got here. Histories and Mysteries coming up next. I said that pretty quickly. Histories Mysteries coming up next. And while you begin to ponder that, let me remind you that Alpha versus Omega is two weeks away. January 4th at the Tokyo Dome in Japan. And if you want to be a part of the Alpha Club, you want to join in on the Alpha Club Jericho then just go to hottopic.com or go to any Hot Topic location and get the Alpha Club t-shirt. It's blue. It's got little lists on it, if you notice that, with an Omega symbol. So Kenny's on the list. Uh, I wore this when I attacked Kenny in Fukuoka, and it's all the rage. Hot Topic called me pretty much right after uh, that show, which was December. When was it? December 11th or whatever it was and we rushed job got it into stores it is the number one selling t-shirt uh in hot topic right now and you're talking about they've got bullet club t-shirts they've got stranger things and riverdale and harry potter and star wars and here uh your little host with the most chris jericho's alpha club shirt is the number one selling shirt in hot topic so go to any hot topic locations and find it or go to hottopic.com and look up alpha club chris jericho all of those will take you straight to the alpha club shirt it's a good looking shirt go check it out now and uh check out fozzy as we continue the judas rising tour february 28th in new orleans we're going all across the united states 30 dates uh dallas houston lubbock uh chicago detroit grand rapids uh seattle portland san francisco los angeles san diego las vegas uh, el paso uh, you name it we're going there uh, i believe albert no, albuquerque tucson phoenix we're going to check that out we're going to be rocking uh all the way across the united states with through fire santa cruz and dark sky choir go to fozzyrock.com for all the gig information cities dates venues ticket information and you know we're doing the VIP meet and greet, so get in and get in on that before they sell out because nobody does VIP like Fozzie. We give you a whole pre-show mini-concert. We're playing songs you're not going to hear later on that night, songs that you've never heard Fozzie play before. We're going to meet you. We're going to greet you. We're going to sign your stuff, take pictures, everything you want. One of the best experiences um, in rock and roll, the Fozzie VIP experience at FozzyRock.com. We're doing it for all the European Fozzy fans as well as we're on tour with Steel Panther starting January 28th in Paris, uh, Paris, France. We're going to Luxembourg. We're going to the Netherlands. We're going to Norway, Germany, Spain, all across Europe with Steel Panther. You can find out all that information once again at FozzyRock.com. Hey, this is Chris Jericho inviting you to the first ever rock and wrestling rager at sea. Picture this. Rock and roll, wrestling, comedy, live podcasting, all on the open ocean from October 27th to the 31st, 2018 from Miami to Nassau. I'm bringing Hall of Fame wrestlers, some of the greatest rock and roll bands on the planet, and putting the first wrestling ring on a cruise ship ever. Don't be a stupid idiot. Make the list. Check us out at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Talk is Jericho. Okay, so um, uh, we're on tour with Gemini Syndrome, and Aaron and I were talking about doing a podcast, and then the other night in the gas station, I run into to Brian, who's also a Gemini, 
and you started asking about some of the conspiracy theories that I have. I don't know if you listen. Do you listen to, to the talk? I listen to the one, yeah. Okay, so you know that I have a lot of paranormal conspiracies. Then you open up this whole new world of these type of conspiracies and this type of like revisionist history, which I found out Aaron is also into. So the whole Gemini Syndrome podcast morphed into what we're going to talk about today, which I'm not completely familiar with. So maybe you guys can kind of lay the groundwork of, of what we're going to be discussing question you got to ask is did we conspire to turn it into a conspiracy <laughs> podcast <laughs> is it a conspiracy uh, of a conspiracy <laughs> conspiracy within a conspiracy it's worked on both ends right <laughs> the inception we're in so tell me exactly what you're talking about well um yeah the conversation that me and you got into the other night was basically about how um you know the 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 larger conspiracies uh we still live within them and we don't know you know much like in um you know 500 years ago where they didn't it wasn't necessarily a a widespread understanding that the earth was round or flat or you know they almost kind of didn't even think about it back then it wasn't like there were hardline people going like the earth is round the earth is flat it was just something that they didn't really think to question back mm. then and so now we live in an age where there's lots of things that we don't think to question one of them being what we're taught our understanding of history we have a we're, we're constantly gaining you know uh, knowledge with uh you know the universe and space and our place within the universe and within our galaxy and and then that feels so big that we don't ever really think back to like well what about what we know about ourselves i'm thinking now more than ever uh over the last 10 years you know americans are getting really comfortable with the idea of the reality behind what christopher columbus was and and what happened with that and and um have a real understanding you know and you know even like um uh, with uh, the assassination of JFK and and those kind of things, and we kind of are having an understanding where, in hindsight, we look back and go, "Oh, well, that's pretty obvious that that was mm. messed up." Or so you're talking about about uh, revisionist history, to where people are just accepting what they've been told and not really questioning. Is that kind of what we're what we're discussing here? Yeah, a little bit. Well, yeah, that. But then, but the thing is, is like there was never an official. Um, announcement that like hey everyone JFK was assassinated you know mm -hmm. uh, for a much bigger reason than what we were taught you know mm -hmm. and then there was never really one day somewhere on the news they're like oh by the way Columbus was you know a uh, a genocidal maniac, you know, like that never... Let's talk about this. You mentioned Columbus a few times. You're talking about the Flat Earth Society where there's a lot of people who believe that the Earth is flat, one big long plane in comparison to the world being round. Which now, I love. Yeah, they, they... You love that? I just... I just uh, they, they, they call it the, globu the globular <laughs> Earth model. Yeah. So, so what side of the coin are you guys on? Oh, I'm on the side of the globular Earth model. The, the, the picture in space of the, of the globe. Yeah. That's, that's well, the, but the reason those people, um, I think, I think the reason why those things kind of pop up is because there are th larger things that we are lied to about. So then they start kind of overdoing it and finding holes in stories where uh, maybe they don't necessarily have the expertise to kind of dig into it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And what was the, what we were saying about Columbus being a maniac? What was that all about? Well, yeah, well, because I mean, just even the 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 now that we have access to um, the the actual. Uh, historical, you know, documents of what happened. You know, I mean, he was, he was only like coming out here as a as a last ditch effort. You know, he went to many different countries trying to get funding to like do explorations, and he was turned down again and again and again and again. And when he finally came here, 
you know, he 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 came with a kind of bunch of, you know, renegades, kind of got here, went back, um, and then, you know, brought a couple slaves with him and then came back again and, you know, kind of wiped everything out there. But gotcha. he was looking for stuff that they didn't even have, you know. And so you're saying that's the concept of how people are... are uh because of this, uh, all these other things that people are finding out that you can believe in a flat earth society yeah. or that the moon landing never happened or some yeah. of those type of things. So what, what, what's some of the events that we're discussing in, in, in actuality of what you're, what you're pointing at? Well, one of the things that we were talking about is how we take it for granted that, um, you know, that uh, the, the pyramids were built, you know, like 3,000 years ago, and that, you know, our clock kind of starts around the time of Jesus. Our whole clock is based off of, you know... Jesus' uh, birth. Yeah, we're like, we were either A.D. or we're B.C., and anything that's before B.C., we kind of chalk it up to like, oh, well, those were, that was archaic times, and we kind of have this big... Uh, unless you're like super into history, you know, then there's a big gap that kind of happens between zero and 1500. Mm -hmm. And we are just kind of don't even like really think about it. Don't even really question it, you know? And so when, so about 15 years ago, there was a site, Gobleki Tepe that was discovered. And at first they thought it was just kind of like these giant um, rock structures, you know? And they started digging them out and they discover that these are like gigantic monoliths that are set up in a very in much of the similar fashion that they set up Stonehenge mm. and but these things are were were undeniably dated and where is this at this is in um in the in the area of like Afghanistan and okay. Iran kind of like where all that old like stuff is like in mm -hmm, Turkey mm -hmm. and and there's several um sites that are similar but this one in particular site that was the thing interesting about it is they, um, they, they, they unearth these gigantic monoliths that are set up um, and their, their uh, carvings are very, very, very sophisticated. And by our current understanding or uh, model of history, these were would have been had to be created by hunter-gatherer nomadic you know, uh, tribes. Or yeah, yeah, like yeah. like people that don't have a sophisticated There's understanding. Almost, almost Neanderthals. In that yeah, sense. exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. like so. First, fifteen thousand years ago, you know, they're not thinking that uh, that we are, you know, ha having a constructed organization like where we're like worshiping a god or like going to church or or doing any sort of like um, organized religion or organized gatherings. You mm -hmm. know, but these are dated. Back then, clearly, for the first time, we found something that predates the pyramids. You know what I mean? And when I say, and when I say predate the pyramids, the the we've never been able to date the pyramids because the only thing that they've actually dated was um, the actual uh, carvings and the engravings and the markings on the pyramids because you they haven't they don't have the technology to actually mm -hmm. date the actual stones. There's no way to do that. But they were able to date these stones by you know because they were buried there by by the sediment and the rocks and everything that they were buried in. Now, here's the other crazy thing about it is there's not just one of them. There's like 50 of them in mm. one site. And every single one was constructed individually, buried, and then they built a new one. Buried, built a new one. Buried, built a new one every 100 years. So this site, this one site, was over 50 time capsules. And the interesting thing about it is that each one, as they find the older or, or more recent and more recent more recent is that the the technology or the skills 
the skill set, the craftsmanship of these monoliths, it doesn't improve over time. It gets worse over time. It dilapidates. Like it, it's almost as if these people, you know, had a superior technology, and then they were trying to. Um, Replicate it? Yeah. Mimic it, yeah. Yeah, mimic it. But each time they re- re- reproduce... It would be kind of like, instead of going from the iPhone 4 to a 5 to a 6 to the 10, where all of a sudden we start digressing and we're all of a sudden we're rocking like It would be phones. like if we had an iPhone 6 and then they took away all the technology and then you, the three of us had to try and build one yeah. on our own. We'd exactly. build Exactly. So, so what exactly does that mean? What are those things and when, when, where did they come from? Well, that's that's the conversation. And the, the hardline... What, what I would call them almost like dogmatic historical scholars that they're kind of stuck in what they've been taught and what their teachers have been taught and what their teachers have been taught for, you know, we're, we're operating off of historical um, uh, misinformation in a way. Yeah, that was established almost over 100 years ago. Like, this stuff really started coming, like, we really started exploring the country and coming up with all of our ideas about what happened as far as, like, the floods and the catastrophes in the 1800s, when we were basically, there was a mass migration from the East Coast to the West Coast. We kind of spanned the country, and that's what we know about, you know, the areas like Montana and, like, you know, Northern Washington and all these, where there's these giant plains and huge hills and still sparsely unpopulated relatively compared to the east coast and so there's a lot of interesting um like i mean look at utah and the Mm, mountains nothing there yeah everything in utah is crazy and um all the sand dunes and the and the i mean the geography in utah is mind-boggling you know we were just out there i did a show we were searching for the lost gold of butch cassidy (laughs) And dude, it's amazing. it's Tatooine out there. It's Star Wars, complete barren, nothing out there. And there's a lot of Mayan treasures buried there because the Mayans came up through Utah. And then when that cat came, Jones, whatever it is for Mormonism, you don't need financial gains, so no one searched for it. So now there's all this treasure up there just because of that reason. So like you're right, there is a lot of just complete mystery just in Utah alone. And that goes to show you how little we've done. I mean, Joseph Smith went to Utah in the in the, Sorry, in, Smith, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, the in the 1860s. Right. So when Salt Lake City was established, I mean, established like, you know, was that 100 and 150 years ago. So mm. we're living not what we haven't really come to any great uh uh conclusions or assessments that necessarily grow upon what we've learned back then you know so if you're talking about these monoliths you mentioned stonehenge like what do you guys think stonehenge actually is and how was it constructed (laughs) i I mean i think there's a big smile i think that the important thing i think the, the the key point to all these questions is to acknowledge a little bit of we don't know because i think the problem comes into it is when we start thinking we know mm-hmm. you know because we don't know why they built that and we don't know why they built we, we don't know how they built the pyramids and we don't know why they built the well, pyramids. the things that we can assess at least from our scientific model that we have now is that these things align with constellations with orion's belts and you find this from the pyramids to stonehenge to you know the hopi tribe in arizona to different parts of you know east asia and whatnot so all these things seemingly line up with something happening in the cosmos right and they also line up within the globe right like in the actual structure of the yeah. earth itself. i mean there's the pyramids in mexico line up with the pyramids in 
in Egypt line up with almost Easter on a, Island. Almost on an equatorial line. On like an, all in the same, like a linear... Correct. Yeah. Really? So Easter, yeah. if you draw a straight line from Easter Island to the pyramids, you're going to cross at least... 10 other pyramids across the entire globe. Wow. There's, there's, there's an old line from my favorite author, Robert Anton Wilson. He says, if it happens once, it's coincidence. If it happens twice, it's happenstance. If it happens three times, it's conspiracy. <laughs> so there's only so many times I think you can find evidence of these kind of, or, or, or um, you know, artifacts or whatever, where you can look at it and say, well, that's weird. Mm-hmm. And just kind of shrug it off. You know, to kind of tie this into, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but like the New Earth Christian model, where it's almost like you don't even have to subscribe to that, but we kind of believe that in a sense that we're like humanity's like fifteen thousand years old, mm-hmm. and there's nothing before that. It was Neanderthal, and it was, you know, these these basic basic cognitive creatures that came before whatever we've evolved into, and we just kind of take that for what it is because we found the evidence of that. But when we talk about these kind of structures and these things that we can find around the world that seem to have some kind of advanced technology comparable in a way to what we have now in some sort of different paradigm or whatever that would lend itself to think that maybe we aren't just as simple as like you know the monkeys evolving or whatever mm-hmm. that there was something predating our per- our present knowledge and if you look back at you know like universal history with like the destruction of you know the dinosaurs for example everything got wiped out right so let's say there was something else back then and everything gets just totaled by a comet or whatever it might be or the great floods you know, all that information is somehow lost to us. So we're only left to pick up the puzzle pieces that are accessible at hand. Mm. You know, there's still all this information. We don't know for sure. You can't. Like, no one really can answer how the dinosaurs became extinct. There's theories, but no Correct. one knows for sure. Nobody's just saying it was all done before there's basic human knowledge and, and records, records and all that stuff. And any great conspiracy involves information and disinformation. So, mm. you know, I think the disinformation really coming with what Brian talked about in the beginning was like the history that we have that we're told. You know, it's really hard to sift through what's truth and what's not, what's fed to you mm-hmm. to kind of keep it complacent. Disinformation, aka guessing, yeah. in a lot of ways, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like when you're talking about the pyramids and, 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 and how they were built, because I know, like, I think they've even tried a few times on different shows to build a pyramid, and it's pretty much impossible they can't to do. It. do. Yeah, especially to the parameters that those were built, like almost perfection. And and the thing yeah. is, is those the, the like he was saying the, pra- the 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 actual like circumference of the, the if you add up the circumference of the base of the pyramid, it is, and and then you multiply it times it's some uh, weird pi. Number. No, it's the is circumference it of the planet Earth. Yeah, it's the circumference. say that again one more time. So you you multiply their um the the circumference of the base of the pyramid and relative to the base of the other pyramids and then there's there's a there's a num- there's a specific number that it's it's related to pi it's not pi exactly but it's related to pi and it's the same uh, I can look it up and it's the exact circumference of the earth and mm. similarly from the top of the pyramid to the ground there's another from, equation yeah, that works the radius, that it, 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 the the radius, radius the of the north earth. to the south pole were they all the same every, no every every They're pyramid like is different oh okay every pyramid is not identical to each other which shows you again that there's a reason for it you know hmm. and so you know so we we can trace back you know con- i mean even when we try to kind of trace back our history we go back to we can go back to you know Christ, and we know what was going on, you know, with the Romans back then, and that was, you know, around roughly the time of like Caesar. And then you go back another five hundred years, and we're talking about Plato, mm. you know, and anything before that is pretty much just like 
up in the air. But we we start we start calling that stuff legend. We start saying because then we start then we're talking about great floods and Noah and Moses mm. and Enoch and, and all of those, yeah the, and the Atlantis. You know, right, 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 right. And so stuff, we just you know. because we look at that stuff as like so far away ago, and they're talking about you know chariots of the gods and like all these things, but. Mm, we have to understand that like this is an ancient people and this is word of mouth verbatim happening over and over and over again by the time we get the information it's going to be it's campfire tales exactly. I whisper something to you whisper to him by the yeah, time he gets back to me it's totally different what I like about what we're discussing here is you guys are saying that these things maybe aren't possible to be built by humans but it's not necessarily like an alien that dropped it down like you guys are saying that we don't really know for sure or do you have a theory on what it is I'm not saying that it's not possible to be done by humans right. I'm just saying that it's possible that in ancient civilization that we're not aware of, their understanding of their types of technology mm. or their understanding of, of building and whatnot could have been completely different from our concept of it. We have technology that's based off, you know, hugely off electronics and electricity and the, the, the infrastructure that we've built as our current race right. could have been something totally different back then. But that's not to say that it couldn't have been just as advanced, if not more so. As if you ever look at like, way. if you even look at like a, a model of how many satellites we have around the Earth, really? it is insane. We we have a junkyard of satellites currently in around space. the Earth in space, mm -hmm. and a lot of and, and a lot of them when they die, they just die. And they're just so we have this floating junkyard of satellites around our Earth, and I look at it kind of almost like we're in the industrial steampunk kind of version of technology, but a, a, our version of space. Because obviously, you would imagine if there was a truly advanced civilization, they wouldn't be creating a junkyard of junk around there every single planet. Because after a while, <laughs> it's, you're going to eventually have to like clean but, it up. But there is something that's interesting when you talk about you know the Mayans and the whole civilization basically disappeared. There could be others that we don't even know of. There could be, there could have been some sort of technology that you could build the pyramids with that got lost, sure. and no one's ever been able to figure it out because well, that, the whole, the whole, that whole system was gone. One hundred percent, you know. Eradicated. And the thing is, is so what you would have in that instance is you would have these great monolithic uh, structures that would survive a catastrophe, and then you would have a people um, that would have tales legends of like how these things were created then they would just kind of take it over then you end up with the egyptian dynasty people that had this almost they inherited it you know almost as keepers of the, yeah. that information to be handed down to yeah. which is how which is which goes people. back all the way down to plato when uh, plato a couple yeah, times was the significance so so plato traveled to egypt and spoke to this guy solon and solon is the one that told him all about atlantis and solon got his information from an ancient egyptian priest back in those times so this egyptian priest which carried this you know sacred knowledge that they've been carrying for for thousands, tens of thousands of years you know, entrusted Plato with this information. That's how Plato came up with the story of Atlantis. A lot of people look at it like a story, but Plato never claimed it as a story. Plato claimed it Atlantis as like being I the city that was sunken under the sea. Well, or? That's our modern translation. Yeah, the the great sunken city of Atlantis. But if if you just look at it from a more logical perspective, it's a, it it it's a. It's not just a city, but it would be an entire uh, mm. civilization wiped out by by water, by a flood. You know, mm. because if if basically um, twelve thousand years ago, twelve thousand eight hundred years ago, there was a giant flood, and there's no way that that's historical fact. And in that time, which is what we were talking about, all the great uh, mega mammals 
um, 75% of them went extinct. We used to have crazy giant beavers the size of rhinoceros, horses the size of giraffe. I mean, o- ostriches that are like, you know, like giant birds, huge giant giant armadillos, 75% of them wiped off, you know, including the mastodons. And in our current model of history, we claim that as like, okay, well, there was a flood and the ones that survived were hunted away into extinction by nomadic uh, hunter gatherer humans, because we were not smart enough to like use their furs as coats and we were we were just animals back then as far as they're concerned as far as history is concerned but is the, there proof of that that there was actually neanderthal i, I like you pronounce it probably neanderthals <laughs> uh, uh and mammoths at the same time frame oh absolutely really okay yeah there's entire gigantic graveyards of woolly mammoth bones that were discovered in the late 1800s that span all the way from uh north dakota to montana mm-hmm. and you can find these pictures online where they're these black and white pictures of just literally tens of thousands of woolly mammoth carcasses. And they're claiming that those were hunted by uh, hunter-gatherers because if they don't claim that, then they have to rewrite their version of like what when that flood was and what the consequences of that flood were and how that flood even happened. And, and this, this model assumes that those hunter-gatherers just massacred these beasts. Like, we're just going to kill them all. Which even... From a from a simple mindset makes no sense. Why would you just kill all of them? Yeah, you know, you would think if they're hunter gatherers, they're worried if they're on that low of a of a cognitive level, they're worried about survival and survival only. So that means food, shelter, mm. protection. Why would you just massacre a species? Well, not to mention if you're talking about whale mammoths, which were quite large animals, and what are they using for weapons back in those of days? Course. Spears. Yeah, exactly. How many spears do you have to throw to kill one woolly mammoth? Right. Never mind how many are we talking about? Hundreds? Thousands? Exactly. Uh, how many woolly mammoths are we talking about? <laughs> oh, ten, tens of tens of thousands. Okay, so yeah, tens and tens of thousands of woolly mammoths killed by primitive men seems a little bit strange. It's the same thing with dinosaurs. Like I said, like Slash uh, and I are big dinosaur aficionados. We talk about them. How did the dinosaurs think? Well, maybe there's some kind of a disease or sure. maybe something went down. But no one really knows for sure. Well, there's this... So, um, if you... If you dig down into the sediment around that area, it, it shows that clearly around that time period that we're talking about, 12,800 years ago, there's this large uh, um, impacted level of soot, of massive um, black, thick layer within it's the like sediment. It's like a ring. It's like, yeah, like, exactly. like, a, like a layer. And it's I a very a picture clear it, yeah. layer. And below that layer, you have all the bones of these gigantic oh. uh, mega mammals. And above it, you only have the remaining. So mm-hmm. obviously, there was some sort of catastrophe that caused all this. Soot. So the way that soot would be able to would come down, you would have to have an impact crater large enough to kick up, you know, um, tons and tons and tons of earth that's literally lava hot, and then this stuff is just sprinkling down over a huge large area and causing gigantic fires like that would span, you know thousands of miles you know and and it's on a scale so big that we can't even comprehend of just like imagine just everything from seattle to michigan on fire at one time in an instant of one mass and and in a in a circumference that goes all the way down one mass extinction yeah and then not to mention after you know you have the fire raining down but as it gets higher and higher into the atmosphere it cools down it turns it freezes 
and then covers everything out, which is what you get. You know, that would create those rings that we're talking with about. With the ice you know, age, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're saying that there was there was a, a comet that hit the Earth that started, or comets? Well, that's the one, that's the thing that isn't um, widely acknowledged right now. They do acknowledge the flood. They do acknowledge the mass extinction. They do acknowledge um, the the uh, the 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 cooling down and the and the raising of temperature. All that they just don't want to acknowledge the comet because there's there's back in those times when they were establishing these theories, there was they were there was two camps and there was like science versus uh, the religious and the religious tended to focus a lot on. Um, catastrophism you know basically like the idea of like there was a great flood and there was a great fire and there was a great uh, and and their explanation for all these things were because it was god you know Mm -hmm. and science at the time was rightfully so combating these ideas these these uh you know uh theories ideas hypotheses yeah well more superstitions gotcha superstitions and folklore They they were combating these like the mysticism, you know, and which they should do. But then what ended up happening is they actually kind of ended up taking a hard line um, uh, approach of never really accepting those things or digging into them. And, okay, well, how could that happen? You know, which it clearly did. I mean, there's um, if you go into uh, that that book we were talking about, um, Fingerprints of the Gods and Magicians of the Gods by Graham Hancock, you know, they showed pictures, aerial pictures of areas of uh, Montana through Idaho through Washington where you see very clearly um, gigantic scrapes, you know, like across the entire land that span hundreds of miles. And we see that every day. Like if we're driving from California to Arizona, you see these gigantic, huge mesas that just, you just have this very, this very like mountain and all of a sudden you just got like a flat top for hundreds of miles and then it dip backs down and, it, and you would have to imagine it like on such a huge scale water rushing you know that's that's you know a half a mile high and you know just gushing all the way from texas all the way to california what that looks like when it starts slowing down and dying down is you just it's just like a puddle in your backyard and everything that's above the water gets like shaved off and everything below the water kind of remains Ridge. So let me ask you this: If you're talking about going back to the Great Fire and how they don't acknowledge it, what's why? Why wouldn't history not acknowledge that? Or historians, shall we say? Well, you know, once you have uh, an established narrative, it takes a lot for you to break out of it. You know, let's not forget that even scientists are prideful, like mm-hmm. anyone. You know, that is nobody, a huge part of it. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to say they're wrong, and you know, and this this ties into not only science but religion as well. And I don't think the two are separate. I think that I think the two can be reconciled, but we can get into that later or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to admit that you were at fault, no human wants to do that. That's hundreds one of, of years, thousands probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we can go back to you know the early Catholic Church and and some of the things that happened there. Where you know, still now, two thousand years later, we don't want to say you know, we screwed up. Mm-hmm. Wrong, you know. Well, it ties science, into science isn't isn't uh, uh, innocent of that either. But it, it's it's tied into politics and it's tied into, um, you know, uh, money. You know, because basically everything eventually gets sponsored. And right now, a lot of the the science community, which has everything, seems to be 
over the past 20 years become very, very polarized left and right, you know? Um, and so you have this, this idea where we are very, uh, and we should be worried about like, you know, global warming and humans impact on the, on, on all these things. But then be, if you subscribe to that theory, you either subscribe to the theory that humans are causing this this huge problem on the earth and we're like the number one cause mm-hmm. and these things are our fault and unless we lower our emissions we're gonna like kill ourselves and you have the other version that just says the other side that says well that's bullshit and those are your two sides and you can't be down the middle because so the minute you start saying well maybe there's these other gigantic things that have much much larger impact on the earth than humans ever could what like in an infinite universe yeah (laughs) that doesn't mean that we all of a sudden should all start driving hummers no let's still like drive electric cars because that's more efficient and because we're taking care of the country we're taking care of our earth that we live in but you can't say both because it's it's like they like to push the narrative that like humans we are these uh Creatures that if we don't control you and tell you what to do, look what you did back then. You wiped out all the woolly mammoths, and then you put lead in your paint, and then now you're like driving, you know, like fuel inefficient vehicles. <laughs> and that's and, fueled by fear. Yeah, and we should definitely take care of that stuff. But it's almost like the intention in which it's coming from isn't from a loving, hey, let's do the right thing place. It's a it's a fear based like do this or you will die. Let's let's use a really simple metaphor that. I can speak from experience. So I'm a smoker, right? right? And smoking's bad. I can admit that. However, there's people that smoke their whole lives and don't die of lung cancer, right? So you could use that argument. We'll see. Yeah, that guy smoked till he was 95 and he was fine. Now, that's not to say that smoking's not bad. It is bad. So saying like the human the human race like putting out emissions and and causing toxicity to the earth is certainly a part of it, but it doesn't have to just be one or the other. It doesn't have to be humans' fault. It doesn't have to be the cosmos' fault. Maybe it's like, oh, I don't know, kind of both. Mm. Like, maybe we're a small little piece of this infinite little thing. Well, you mentioned happening. infinite universe. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, space is expanding. We don't have an end to it yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's, you know, again, our, our flawed perspective or our limited perspective being these little specks of conscious life here. Mm-hmm. But we can't see to the end of the universe yet. Right, and it seems to be growing according to quantum physics. So well, and hard, accelerating, we can hardly get off of our planet. <laughs> exactly, you, exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? Exactly. We like to think we we've always liked to think that we are the center of the universe, the right. the, the most advanced. <laughs> I mean, humans are 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 far fetched to name anything <clears throat> superior to ourselves. Mm. You know, like like how like we can't. I don't think any unless you find some. You know some Eckhart Tolle guy, like name something that's superior to us, even on earth, you know, or the top do we do, chain, you know, we don't, do we got yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So what are you saying? Are you saying, do you think there's, 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 uh, other species, other, uh, living, you know, I, I have my species. own idea about that. My idea about that is that it's next to impossible for an inferior creature to truly acknowledge a superior creature to itself. I feel that like if I were, if there was a fly in here right now, you know, or, or an ant, that those creatures are not by ego not able to recognize me and understand that I have you know uh, 5,000 unread emails on my phone and like later on today I'll be like you know downloading something off a Dropbox and you're going to upload this podcast onto your I mean it's just beyond their (laughs) scope of understanding you know what I mean the most that I can interact with that ant is like spitting a loogie on it and it's just all of a sudden it's stuck in my loogie and 
and it's gross. It's, it's raining. <laughs> oh God, the, the gods, <laughs> the, the, the gods must be crazy. You know what I mean? Lugi of the gods. Yeah, and so like by that same lo- logic, you know, we endure these horrible uh, tornadoes and these hurricanes and these tidal waves and we we have earthquakes and we and mm. we we, we in, and it's god mad at us because we voted for yeah. trump and we and we'll, let's <laughs> let's let's stick like let's stick little that was a great uh, theory by the way <laughs> oh that was oh, i was i was livid when i was reading this yeah, oh florida yeah. deserved it because they the voted for yeah. trump is we're oh, sticking come on. little tiny like you know um, uh, electronic devices like you know uh skimming the surface of the earth trying to like measure well when's the next you know earthquake gonna mm-hmm. come you know but you know for all we know um water you know just the singular mass of water that covers more than half of the earth could be a living alive organism like way farther advanced than we could ever truly acknowledge and mm-hmm. The water we we we're born within water where we die within water water is a part of us we are mostly water but could we ever have the foresight to say, oh, well, water is alive? Because we just don't. You just don't understand it, yeah. yeah. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? Talk is Jericho. What other examples do you have of kind of this revisionist history of, of just accepting things because that's just the way it is? I want to I go back to something you brought up earlier about, you know, uh, Plato going to Egypt and talking to their... Now, Plato is a Greek philosopher? Correct. Yes. Correct. Okay, so he goes so there was, There's Plato, there's Pythagoras, was back from his era too, yeah. and he was into all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, but so when they, they talk about going back to Egypt and meeting, you know, the Egyptian um, uh, priesthood, basically, which is their secret initiates or whatever, you start to see these names pop up, like Thoth, from their lineage or whatever. But mm-hmm. then you start to see these names pop up in almost every culture worldwide, under different names, but they serve the same purpose, right? So you'll see it as Hermes Trismegistus, and you'll see it as Abraham or Solomon in the Jewish history. Mm. But you also see it in Lao Tzu from China, from the Taoist. <laughs> and all these people serve the same purpose. I heard I had somebody tell me years ago that at the time of, that Jesus Christ wasn't Jesus' his name. He was Jesus of Nazareth. And Christ is a surname given to someone who is an anointed one or an enlightened one. And at the time of Jesus, there were 23 Christs on the planet. Hmm. So it just kind of depends who you ask. But <laughs> So you start seeing, right, you have like the flood story from, from the Bible. And you have that same flood story appearing all throughout ancient culture. You have this fiery earth theory popping up all over ancient culture in in cultures that really didn't have any means by which to communicate with one another theoretically you know, mm. as far as we know the, the mayans never talked to the greeks right. never talked to the egyptians never talked to the japanese or the chinese but again how are all these little synchronicities with like we were talking with the placement of these monolithic structures and whatnot and all of these similar tales happening it seems like everyone dogmatized 
those those universal ideas or these stories. Yeah. They dogmatize them in their own culture, and that's what bred things like religion, organized religion. Mm. And then that becomes, as Brian pointed out earlier, monetized, and it becomes bureaucratic. So one of you know going back to to like the time of Jesus up until St. Augustine when the church really kind of like hunkered down and said, you know, they had the whole meeting where they canonized what books would be in the Bible, what right. books were not. And then, you know, we find the Nakabadi, how do you say that? The, uh, the, the Egyptian library we found back oh, in the 30s. I have to look the it Nog, up. I can't pronounce like, it. Yeah. Um, but that's where we found like all the Gnostic gospels of Thomas and the, the gospel of Mary Magdalene. And all these things were just like crushed by the church because they went against the idea of having people, the church, the priest, the Pope, and then God. So you needed a pathway to go through these things, right? Mm -hmm. And this is where initiatic traditions come in to play, and you, you can name drop the Illuminati or the Masons or whatever you want to do, or even the triads of China, the, the Tong, the, 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 the mafia of China goes back way back to mm. you know the plum flower groups of, of early, early ancient times. These are all similar almost identical groups identical groups in different parts and, of the world right and then the bureau the bureaucratic process of religion said that you had to go through them for salvation and you find mm -hmm. this all over in world religion where any of the actual like the gnostic people or the people looking for knowledge experiential knowledge of god which was what plato was looking for pythagoras was looking for the Taoists were looking for was this direct communion to something bigger was just snuffed because mm. it wasn't monetizable couldn't make money off it. And if you can't monetize it, you can't control people. And we can relate to that now by basically saying, look, like the the establishment will gain power and will gain control. And a good idea will turn bad, which we can clearly see with the Constitution and politics and nowadays. In in two hundred years we went from from being the people that rebelled against the establishment creating our own thing and now we're in a position again where by just the very first couple of lines of the bill of rights we would need to do it all over again right now at for the, the, the state of the union if you you know that you would have it today so you know like aaron was saying like at the time where when when jesus was alive you know and he 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 lived. He did his thing, and then like five hundred years later, basically, what was the instrument of his death becomes the thing that they put on right. top of every single building. I mean, like if that's not a, a a play on reverse psychology and manipulation, that would basically be like if JFK, uh, you know, if there was a huge resurgence of American patriotism that like revolted against the establishment, and we held JFK as our leader, but then once the establishment takes hold again, we're sticking AK-47s and rifles on the top of every building just to remember, hey, you know, yeah, you know, know, JFK died for your sins, so you don't have to, mm -hmm. you know, like it's just like it keeps the population under control. Now, when we were talking about this, uh, I mentioned to, to, to you, Aaron, that we were going to talk about this, and you showed me a tattoo on your arm of 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 what is it that you showed me? What is that symbol? The eye and the pyramid. I got two of them. And um, what does that mean? Yes, yeah, I say eye surrounded by pyramid. By a triangle. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it has a lot of meanings throughout a lot of different cultures. One could be the all-seeing eye of God. Um, another interpretation of it can be the eye representing consciousness. You guys both have them. With yeah, <laughs> we actually have all of the same tattoos, and that wasn't planned. It's very really. Ironic. Yeah, we can get into that. Just quickly, did you get how long have you guys known each other? Eight years. 
But were you both into this when you met? Well, that's oh, yeah. how we, when we first met, he came <laughs> into my bedroom and he saw my book collection and he started naming off books that he had that were my same books. And I was like, I've never met anyone wow. in my life. And nor had... have I. Both of you guys are so into this. It's crazy. That talk about happenstance right there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. call it conspiracy. Like, you book- <laughs> we always joke, like, you have Book of Law, I, I have, have Book, book of, of Law. You have Pale White Horse, I, I have, have Pale White, White Horse. And then we get, and then when we wrote you Anonymous, have, you we're have like... the other Bible from, uh, from all the Gnostic Gospels? Oh, yeah. Huh, interesting. You read the Gospel of Thomas too, and drink from my mouth and you will be as I am? Mm. Interesting. Wow, so hold on a second. Then we're still talking about the Eye in the Pyramid. What's the Gospel <laughs> of Thomas? That's a whole different thing. Uh, the Gospel of Thomas was one of the... Um, Gnostic. The Gnostic text found in that Egyptian library that I can't remember the name what of. What does Gnostic mean? Gnostic means gnosis. It means knowledge, but not knowledge like I read a book. It's experiential knowledge. Mm. It's like uh, it's the opposite of agnostic. So agnostic means I don't, I don't know. know. Gnostic not, means I, I, know. Know. I know. So like like you can read in in a book, I guess, um, what it's like to be punched in the face, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. that's that's a certain type of knowledge. But then I could punch you in the face, and now you know what great that's knowledge. Great analogy. So in that way, it means to know. God and to know God in the in the non, I mean we might be throwing around the word God here a lot, you know, and into someone that's not like super into all this, you know. The, my, we were all raised in different, you know, like situations. Some people are raised completely away from that. Some people are raised in a very structured, you Submerged know, religious. In. You know, I had, uh, and and the thing that for me at a at a my formative teenage years, I had, I had a several bad acid trips I OD'd I died I I mean I kind of had all these like weird things happen in my life that I walked out of it in my early 20s very with that I with before I even found a word for it Gnostic would be the word for it because I I I crossed the veil I came near the back multiple times and I knew that like okay well I kind of see where all these religions are going with this thing, but that's definitely not it. Because I, because I, 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 I felt this thing. I touched this thing. Whatever it is, this, this, this eternal, infinite place where your consciousness can go, and, and that people could try to explain. There's, but there's, it's really hard to. There's been scientific documentation of this stuff as well, like as well as more, I guess, mystical. Um, kind of interpretation. So you can go to Timothy Leary and look at his LSD research. Mm-hmm. And he has this thing, this model called the eight circuits of consciousness. And basically most humans operate on the, on the base four, which is the oral approach, avoid fight or flight, the anal, which is uh, territorial um, control or submit. Then you have the semantic level, which is symbolism and language and how we communicate. And then there's the sexual or moral code, which is, you know, basically ethics how we deal with sexuality, how we deal with um, emotional interactions on a, on a deeper level. That's where most people stop evolving. And then you have the fifth level, which uh, he basically called kind of like the, like the Zen Buddhist equivalent of Nirvana, where you have this euphoric kind of thing, which Thomas Aquinas was a, a saint in the Catholic Church um, who experienced it, called it the ecstasy, where they basically commune with God but still as their self, in a sense. Like the ego strips away, sort of. But it's still you experiencing God. And then there's three more that go up, eventually getting to what he talks about, metaprogramming, where you can go back and rewire those earlier circuits. So you can you can pers- you consciously rewire your approach, avoid, uh, or, your, or your dominate submissive qualities by just kind of reworking almost your DNA, in a sense. And the highest level of that he called God consciousness or universal consciousness, where... You, what Brian's talking about, he said that everybody who takes LSD 
eventually has at least one moment where they get to that place. And I, too, tripped on LSD quite a few times. And I can say for sure there was always some moment where there was this profound connection to something I can't describe. And you can't, you, when you come back, you always kind of lose most of it. It's right, like, right, right, right. But oh, it's like a dream where you wake up and you can't remember exactly, exactly what you're talking exactly about. Basically, like, like everything he, you know, we're talking about here sounds very like, oh, wow, that's such a cool, crazy idea. But like the this is essentially the Kabbalah. And this is the stuff right. that Jesus was learning about and teaching about back in those days. I mean, people, I mean, Mary... Uh, his mother Mary was a high priestess in the in the Essian tradition, which is like I mean, if you go to any school uh, scholar, you know, I mean, you can find that, you know, and and they were the esoteric Gnostic uh, mm. spiritualists at the time. And so, you know? and you can find the same stuff in in uh, in Zen Buddhism. I have this book called Zen in the Brain. It was, <laughs> Yeah, I have that. Yeah, we're talking symbol to, to tattooed all yeah, over. Yeah. yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> Aaron's got the same one. <laughs> but, but there's also like there's, there's, a, there's a classic big gap between Jesus as a child yeah. and Jesus as a 33 year old man, saying that he went to you know possibly Asia and studied with them. So the Zen Buddhists would claim that you can chemically alter your own consciousness through deep meditation. So you don't need you, basically like any kind of drug in that sense is like a, an accelerator to that process mm. and that's why it's so hard to keep a hold of those experiences because you're literally putting something in that triggers those those experiences whereas if you're doing it through the very slow you know almost torturous methods of of the Taoists or the zen buddhists meaning meditation yeah and so lsd will get you there faster but you'll well, lose it whereas meditation will take longer but you can theory, keep it yeah, longer yeah, yeah, in theory yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well there's there's i mean dude there's so like you you mentioned the gap in history with jesus is like first of all that's the gap of the history of the established people that wanted to put out the narrative that they wanted to put out i mean the like like we're talking about that like like a lot of the the, the plant-based um, medicines that they were using back there. I mean, one of the most powerful uh, plants that's throughout the Bible and uh, all old uh, writings is, is acacia. They from acacia, from the from the burning bush of uh, of when uh, Moses found the the. The yeah, yeah. Ten Commandments, all the way through um, Masonic ritual, which uses the acacia to denote um, when acacia is uh, a plant. Yeah, it's a it's a plant, and when you know when Hiram Abiff was was murdered at the Temple of Solomon, they buried him with an acacia plant by his head because it it's an evergreen and it's meant to symbolize that your soul will live on forever. But it's also just happens to be you know hallucinogenic when you smoke it. So this is just and if so, if Moses found a burning bush. Of a bush that's hallucinogenic when you smoke it. I mean, these are just things you kind of have to like put it's like one a in marijuana one together. bush or something. Yeah, <laughs> right. And and maybe that's not necessarily what it literally was because a lot of these things should never be interpreted literally. But the idea of like, how are you going to communicate that if it's a fifteen hundred year old story before even the time of Christ? How are you going to how are you going to like let the people know that okay, we're trying to like tell. You know, first of all, how much communication can change over hundreds of years, let alone thousands of years? You know, they're trying to uh, communicate these sophisticated thoughts. You know, and so that's how you explain it. Mm. You there, know? There's even stories from the, the Gnostic texts that talk about how the the communion, the, the the sacrament, was actually a certain type of mushroom that was hallucinogenic. So that when Jesus and his disciples were breaking bread, they were eating hallucinogenic mushrooms and they were mm. tripping. And again, like those those types of drugs can also foster those kind of 
consciousness experiences that are yeah. kind of beyond the the five senses that we you know, mm, that we know of, right? Right. And what does what does the eye in the pyramid signify that you guys the tattoo we were talking about? Well, um, I mean, traditionally, it it is meant to be the all seeing eye of God, where it's basically saying that we are all united as humanity under one higher consciousness. And you guys are looking at that consciousness as something. I, I think I think a big um, problem is that we look at that consciousness as something separate from us. Like, oh, there's this thing looking down on us, where where I think my understanding of it has evolved to the point where I look at it like that is that is the manifestation of our collection of our mm. collective consciousness which it, Carl Jung called the Akashic Records yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's us it's just us it's, it's all of us combined it's like imagine if we can get all of humans looking up at a mirror at the same time and that sight looking back down on us that's what God is mm. you know as, Tom, as Thomas Aquinas kind of labeled it he defined god as the one thing that is just beyond human understanding so the biggest thing that as humans we can kind of comprehend mentally is infinity right even if if we can even wrap our head around what that it really goes means. on forever yeah so god is one step beyond that was his definition of it, which I love. And, and, and this, this, that was the gospel of Thomas. It's not a lost gospel from the Bible. It's a completely different. No, it is, it is, it is a, lost, it, a lost gospel. So there's actually lost book, the lost books of the Bible. Yeah. There's a book you can order online called uh, The Other Bible, and it has all of them, all of them plus like the, the writings of the her, hermetic traditions, uh, a lot of other crazy stuff. I mean, there's there's like baby gospels of Jesus that were found. And it's Nag Hammadi, I remember how to say it. So why, why, once again, the question of why would those books not be included in the typical... Well, because they're, ta- they're saying to the people that they're, they're talking about the Gnostic experience of being, like what Brian just said, that the entirety of humanity, of our conscious being, is already a part of it. We've just kind of lost sight of it. Whereas the church had to, had to have this, this kind of hierarchical... Uh, you know, system so that you needed to, you have to go to the priest to absolve your sin. You have to go to confession. Well, there's yes. a there's a clear separation from what the church is and what the church was back in those times versus the text that they wrote their Bible from. You know, like they wrote their Bible from a collection. They basically had a library of books. You know, let's just imagine it to be hundreds and hundreds of books of of and and these things back in those times where they were handwritten. Sure. You know, so they were they're, they're so they go and they're like, we're gonna use, we're gonna pick these forty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because and anything that doesn't fit with the narrative that they're trying to establish is gonna they're not gonna include. It, obviously, you know, it's like you have to edit a movie to tell the story that you want to tell. Exactly, so you, you, you it's like deleted scenes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and very much like a like a converting a book to a movie. How much detail do we right. always lose in that sense? Right, right, right. Great point. Great point. I just saw that you sent me a, a text of, of something you've done before. Are you are you a Freemason? Yes. Gotcha. No. Yeah, what. Yeah. I don't even know if you can talk about what is of Freemason. Of, well, Freemason. I've heard about it for so much. You mentioned it earlier, but what exactly is Freemason is is um, one of the older uh, fraternities that have been passed down um, orally over the past, you know, several hundred years that uh, can be traced back with roots. You know, you know, they back to Solomon and Hiram Abiff, and mm-hmm. that's what's where that's where a lot of it. Um, it it's basically. Um, long time ago in those times stonemasons ancient stonemasons were the only people that really traveled a lot of people were 
born they they born lived and died in their little tiny town yeah and there was never it didn't make sense for them to travel it didn't it it, it served no purpose the people but the the certain people that did travel there was there was actually two groups of people that traveled and it was the stonemasons and it was the artists and the musicians (laughs) you know and so so uh, masons would have to travel to build yeah because it was a very specific skill set and they were very well paid so it was very common for people to impersonate that they were a skilled craftsman because they would try to walk on the site and these sites would hire hundreds and hundreds of workers. And so they developed a system of uh, grips, signs, handshakes, secret passwords to acknowledge each other if two people had never met. How are you going to know? Because if, if one thing goes wrong on when you're building a giant cathedral, you know, if, you, if, 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 if it's not square, if it's not level, if it's not plumb, the building's going to fall down and that happens a lot mm-hmm. you know and so they took it real serious and the punishments were you know you could be punished with death you can get your hand cut off get your tongue cut out if you if you impersonated it because they were just trying to get their their master mage their master mason wages you right, know right, which right, they weren't right, yeah. and so basically over over hundreds of years um the the society grew and started um people that were not physical stonemasons that worked with their hands but intellectual um creative types uh scientists and philosophers they and teachers they they started offering them basically honorary acceptance into them and then that became free and accepted masons and so as the stonemason part of it started kind of like fading away it became the free free and accepted masons and that was a very big um you know uh group society yeah around the time when they um, first started coming from Europe to America in the in a... and, and even prior to that the fact that they were traveling they were they were coming in contact with all of these different cultures we kind of touched on earlier as far as like the the Muslim cultures and and meeting their their higher priests or mm-hmm. they're more Gnostic they have the Sufis are kind of the Gnostic sect of, of Islam yeah, you you and hear Kabbalists in Judaism and the Gnostics in Christianity and the Hermetics in right, Egypt right, right. And, and and whatnot. So they would be exposed to all these different things because they were the ones traveling and they started seeing those similarities, which is why they communed with those people. But so, if they go back to their homeland and they start talking about this now, it's heresy. Oh, yeah, if you go back to a Christian right. nation, you said, "Oh, I met with the Muslims, and I, you know, they have these really cool ideas that are kind of similar to ours." Well, no, no, so that yeah, didn't go over. On the other hand, yeah. uh, what, what does a Freemason mean in this day and age? Is it just like a club, or do you get studies? Um, I mean, it's, it's a very it, it's very similar. You know, um, you know, there's. Do you have meetings? Yeah, there. Yeah, there's meetings. You know, like we have. Um, you know, I'm in North Hollywood, and we have you know a stated meeting every month. What if do anyone, you discuss? You know, well, we socially we discuss everything. We right. discuss this stuff. Uh, we discuss um, just the, Music, you know, yeah, with it within culture, yeah, within any group of people, you're gonna have the people that kind of like. There's definitely the people that love talking about the esoteric spiritual principles and expanding our mind. And there's like other places you can go to for mm-hmm. that. You know, if you're into that, you know, you might want to, you know, investigate the Scottish Rite and get into like 32nd degree and, and, and go that route. You know, if you're, if you're more into the ritualistic, um, kind of historical, splinter you might want to investigate you know the york right and then like the the knights templar it's basically a a group of like-minded people that just like to discuss 
the mysteries of history, basically. Like yes. Yeah. Like you know, it, yeah, because at, at a certain age, you know, when you're done with college or high school or whatever, you're kind of like left onto your own to, mm-hmm. to figure out what you want to figure out. And it's real nice to find a group of like-minded, uh, well-educated, successful men for you to kind of um, feed off each other's energy, you know, and, sure, sure. and you... Not everyone is as uh, lucky Open. to be in a creative circle of people like, you know, I mean, I just from us being in a band, we get to work with these amazingly talented producers and these... Uh, you know, very business-minded, you know, uh, sure. sharp, yeah. like, managers and lawyers and, and, and uh, everything that kind of... All the people who come into contact with that, you know, in this world and, and in your profession, mm-hmm. I mean, we get... It really triggers something like, wow, like, I could really be successful in life if I start modeling, you know, these people's work ethic um, and, and implement this in my life, you know? And so so people like us are, are just kind of gravitate towards it, mm-hmm. you know, and... Do you incorporate a lot of this stuff into your music, lyrically, or? Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, there's references all over from, you know, all sorts of religious work, and and really this conversation in general. You know, I mean, we are all the light of the sun and the moon. Well, you, this stuff's everywhere. You, you have a, you're working on a, a trilogy. You have a trilogy. Yeah. The first two of the records are all they're it's like they're related, and then they're, they're mm-hmm. doing a third. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, from what I understand. So you have you have Lux was the first record, meaning light. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you're born, that's the first light you see. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a birth record dealing with that kind of time period and of coming of age, and really like going even back to those four circuits of consciousness, as we're kind of conditioned over the you know, you get your first two really up until about the age of seven, uh, is really you know. The, the approach of Void, the first circuit is imprinted as soon as you're born. And it really comes down to do you get the mother's teat or not? Mm. If you get the mother's teat, you're probably programmed for approach. Because that first thing you experience is nourishment from the mother. Mm-hmm. Right? For example, I was adopted. When I when I was born, I was put in, you know, in an incubator and tested for three weeks because I had albinism. They thought I was blind. They thought I was deaf. They thought I was mute. They thought I was retarded. Turns out none of those things are true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have, I, I absolutely have an avoidant personality to a lot of degrees. And I have, an oral, have that acceptance right. of, wow, and I, have, I have an oral fixation. I smoke. I always have something to drink. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm constantly fidgety. Interesting. That's just the way I, I was wired. So going back to the, you know, to talking about the higher levels of consciousness to try to reprogram that, and you can you can achieve that through martial arts, and then that the deep like, qigong meditation stuff. You can, there's all sorts of methodologies to go about it. But so point being, by the time you're seven, you really have, you know, when you're a toddler, you start really learning how to manipulate your parents. Well, I want a cookie. Well, it's not time for a cookie. Well, what can I do to get a cookie? <laughs> and that's where you start learning how to manipulate socially, and that ties into, you know, are you an aggressive kind of person? Are you, you going to like intimidate to get what you want or are you going to be the poor me and like cry because what I really want the cookie and all of those kind of personality traits eventually form what you are as an adult. Mm. Right. And then as you get past seven years old, then you start really learning language and symbolism. You start learning how the alphabet or other languages that might be more uh, pictograph like Chinese or Japanese or something like that, how those influence the way that your brain functions. You know, et cetera, et cetera, Evolve, down the road. Yeah. You mentioned albinism, so aka essentially albino. That's the word. that's that's the term. Uh, is that is that a correct word? The is politically that... correct term is a person with albinism. Uh, the 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 scientific term for the genetic condition is albinism. 
supposedly so al, al person with albinism. Yeah, I'm an albino. Let's but, just but that's, call that's a spade a spade. Like, but I, I mean, like, like when I have you know, like some of my friends that I've been on before in the past that are little people, like midget. It's not the politically correct word, right? But they're like, yeah, I'm a midget. Fuck it. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I don't yeah. care. I'm so, an albino. So you know? What does that? What does that like? Explain that. Like, what does that mean? So it's a recessive gene trait that's inherited by the child. It has to be carried in a recessive fashion by both the mother and the father. So you can have that part of your DNA code, but if it's not recessive, like let's say I was a chick and Brian is Brian, and we mated, okay, <laughs> just because you're in the room. And let's say I have that gene, and it's it's recessively activated, and he has the gene, but it's not. Mm. Kid won't be albino. Gotcha. If we both share that recessive trait, there's a possibility of the kid being albino. That's not even to say that it's true. I've had I've met plenty of people who. Um, you know, have have albinism or whatever, and like they have it, and then the middle kid doesn't, and then the third kid does. Mm. And I've met kids that all of them have it in the family. You know what I mean? So it's really kind of a crapshoot in a sense. Uh, basically, what it does is it affects the development of pigment and melanin in the skin. So that's why there's no color, there's no tanning. White hair, white, white hair, white, white skin. Um, it affects the eyesight due to the fact that the retina is partially pigmented. So the part of the retina that controls 20-20 to 20-70 vision is basically null. It is so basically. you wear glasses all the time, but you don't wear glasses on stage, do you? No, I'm blind as a bat. So you literally can't see. I mean, I can see, but mm-hmm. it's very difficult for me to explain to someone who has good vision because I've never had it. So gotcha. I, don't have, I don't have a reference point. I understand. To me, I see as good as I've ever seen. Right, with your glasses on, it's clearer. It's a, for, for me. But yeah, then, yeah. you know, we could be walking down the street and be like, oh, check out that. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, can you drive? Uh, no. Okay, gotcha. I, I, did, I did for five years when I was like 18 to 23. My vision progressively got better as a kid. Up until I hit about my mid twenties, where the body really stops growing, regresses, gotcha. and then it was like I could still do it. I just, you know, I, I'm a city dweller. Mm-hmm. I've lived in Chicago, Los Angeles, Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to mess with it. If I lived in the country, I'd totally drive. Yeah. I'm an excellent driver. For five years, no tickets, no accidents, and I put on probably a hundred thousand miles of drive time. So, excellent driver. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, more than I can um, say. <laughs> I'm a better driver than Brian. No offense. But what about like you mentioned, like white skin? Like, could you ever get a, a tan? Nope. Or are we just sunburn? Like it's what? just burn. Gotcha. And that's another interesting thing, though, too. So I started doing uh, traditional Chinese kung fu in my teens. And I noticed you always wear like the Chinese always. Kind of yeah, shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, What's that called? A Chinese shirt. A Chinese shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Amazon and Brian. But there, there's a part of the qigong that you know they talk about energy or chi or whatever and how you can move that through sure, the body sure, sure, in traditional sure. Chinese medicine. There is one thing called guardian chi, which is really affected by, it starts with the lungs and the large intestine. Those organs affect the skin. So I noticed when I was in my late teens, when I was really, really starting to get into this stuff like heavy and I was living with my Sifu, with my teacher, and I was training like six, seven days a week, eight hours a day, living in Ventura, California on the beach, I would go to the beach and train by myself and I would never get burned. Mm. As a kid, though, I was a lobster mm-hmm. and peeling all the time. Like, I had to absolutely wear sunscreen at all times. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case anymore. And mm. I found that very interesting. I have to chalk it up to that, in a sense. To, to the... um, and like you said, you know, I go on stage without glasses. I can't see. If I hadn't done the martial arts for as long as I have, I wouldn't have the spatial awareness that I have. Mm. That's really what it taught me. I don't claim to be a fighter by any means. I haven't fought in 20 years. Mm-hmm. I like to keep it that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, unless you want to hop in the ring. I'll Hell no, you. man. Not with you. <laughs> Not with you. Thanks. So but, it, you know, all of that stuff kind of influenced it as, mm-hmm. as to how I can function the way that I do. I've met hundreds of people with albinism, 
And it there's a, it's like a sliding scale. Like some people are way more pale than I am and have way worse vision than I do and are way less functional in a sense. And I've met people who are on the opposite end where they, you know, I don't look totally dark. I could pass as an Irish person in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, but I know albinos that you drive. But you also kind of like, not, uh, I don't know if paraded is the word, but you almost like you have a big white beard. You wear white on stage. You're almost sort of like, yes, this is me. And I like magicians, it. man. <laughs> you know, going back to the, the, the thing with Thoth and how it kind of pops up in all these different um, cultures, the, the kind of ancient, the old English version of it is Mithras, which is Merlin. So I grew up like loving magic and loving like oh, wizards and shit. Yeah. I mean, my beard right now is short. In comparison, because Brian always makes me cut it. He says I don't look good. Just as we wind down here, do you think that this revisionist history will continue? Do you think there'll ever be a time when kind of the doors are open? Because I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that, you know, getting into conspiracy that government knows that we don't, that don't want to let us know who shot JFK being the biggest one and the reasons why, although we've kind of figured it out. Will that ever change? Will it continue along these lines? The manipulation oh, of the human? Oh, I think it'll change, and I think they'll come up with new ways to manipulate us and swaggle tooth us, you know? And, yeah. um, but the thing is, is, is certain things can only be, like, held back as far as we let them, you know? So now with the invention of the Internet and social media and all these things have created a global awareness that where information is transmitted instantly, you know? Um, and so... We just live in an, in a new and exciting age where the rules are constantly changing. So, whatever it is, look if the flat Earth people are right, you know what I mean. We're gonna figure it out pretty soon. We're gonna figure out if it's just because the GoPros have a curved lens or not. You know, <laughs> like probably the not. Does it really even matter, anyways? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think I think a big problem with the past um, uh, that, that I read in uh, the, the Graham Hancock book with, and, and Russell Carlson that that all these different um, expertise are separated. You know, the people that are an expert in geology are separate from the people that are an expert in theology and separate from the people that are into Egyptology versus, you know, um, you know, archaeology. And the thing is, so these people, once you become just an expert in your very narrow field of expertise, you know, you don't really have a whole lot of other interaction with people that are an expert on this other mm-hmm. area of expertise, and then you never get a chance to to combine all the ideas and get the big picture behind of all. Like, what does it all mean? Mm-hmm. And that's where, uh, over the past you know twenty years with the internet and social media and all these like ways that we're all becoming more aware of each other. And maybe over the next you know fifty years, you know we're gonna reach this point where where everything where where everyone's just more well-rounded and mm-hmm. we have and even the experts that are you know that the, the focus on a very specific thing you know so the more that we um become open to to information and and a little bit more humble to realize maybe we have something to learn and maybe something that we may, maybe and I, a lot of ideas that i have right now you know i i've come to realize that i've had those established ideas for almost longer than I can remember. Like, well, I thought, well, this is what I believe. Well, why? Well, is that just something that I kind of came up with? Yeah. Either, either was told it as a child. I came up with it when I was 14. And, you know, maybe it's time to reevaluate some stuff and really, like, to open my ideas to, like, let me relearn some stuff. And maybe, definitely, 
the version of myself today will be able to to come up with something a, a better understanding than I was, you know, before. Mm-hmm. What's the best book that somebody can read to kind of learn about this? Is there one that stands out for you guys? Well, or? for this particular topic, I would definitely uh, dive into Magician of the Gods by Graham Hancock. That book is is fascinating. And he it is a sequel to his first book, Fingerprints of the Gods, which is which is also great. Um, but in Magicians of the God, he gets a lot into Gobekli Tepe and um, the discovery and the unearthing of that, which is incredibly fascinating, you know. I, I, another we we kind of got off topic, but uh, um, something about that that's really interesting is these these monoliths. They're they're from, the, from earlier. The yeah, yeah. They're the, the carvings on them aren't like etched inside. The carvings are there are there. What's the um? There's a word for it. There's. Raised. Yeah, they're raised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're raised. Um, so, There's a word for it. I can't think of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I'm trying to think of my Photoshop filter. <laughs> opposite of beveled. Whatever the opposite of beveled is. So, so they're raised. So, like, if you see this giant slab of a, a giant pillar, there's, like, a monkey and then a, a, and then a lion and then, like, a falcon but with, like, human arms. And But it's, it's raised. Mm-hmm. So they had to chisel around it. So they chiseled out the negative space mm-hmm. of all these monoliths. And they get, and they get less and less and less sophisticated. As, as you go as you go along right. and so the guy that's unearthing this thing is going to go we're just counting on finding the one that starts that, that's older that gets worse but every time they find an older one it's better right and and, and they've only unearthed like 10 percent of these and things. that is so bizarre considering you know you're going back in time not not even just like right whether or not the humans were or whoever created it were more sophisticated but just the time mm-hmm. you would think that it would get you know, war by just the well, elements, sure, yeah. You know what I mean. You it should it get, get better war. as you progress into history because it's not newer, further right, back. Because right, right. going against their argument that these are just hunter gatherers that well, didn't know how to it, organize. It goes back to the statues on Easter Island where there's like 50 of them and they're all exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Yep. How do you do that? Wasn't somebody just talking to us the other day too that they actually found bodies attached to those under the surface now? Under that, the of, of the Easter Island or um, the Mon- that, yeah, that, the, the Easter Island. There, really? there, there's yeah. a few images floating around the internet that are photoshopped that they aren't. Um, they, they, there's no whole bodies, but they do okay. go. They do go beneath. The uh, they do go torso. Okay. They go down. Do, do people chest. know that you guys are into this stuff? Is this kind of common knowledge? Like, do people come up to you and give you theories and, and check this out type of thing? Um, you know, because they will now. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I think you know. There's little we 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 do some interviews and stuff where, mm. where we kind of like don't go so deep into it. This is definitely the deepest we've ever gone so into it. Last question: What does uh, Gemini syndrome mean? Is there a certain? It just sounds cool. <laughs> it means it means all this. You yeah. know, I mean, truly the um, the, the, the the yeah down to Sorry. the symbolism. You know, I mean, I mean the 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 whole symbolism is we have this is us. The yeah, that's your sign. That's your created it's our sign. duality. Yeah, it's our it's our yin and our yang. It's it's the part of us. It's it's the devil on this shoulder and the angel on this shoulder. Mm-hmm. And but we're united by uh, the our, Mobius strip. We're by by our by our by our DNA, by mm-hmm. our genetics, by our biology, by our you know by our uh, nature, you know, and our nurture by our. By our concept of infinity, by our concept of eternity, you know, uh, Aaron brought up the uh, how we can't we, we we can perceive infinity, and there's this great great quote by Eckhart Tolle where um, he says, you know, if everything was blue, you know, you wouldn't know what blue was, you wouldn't be able to even see blue, 
You know what I mean? Because everything will be blue. So in the same way, you know, the 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 only way that we can see the the the, the proof that there is infinity is by the very fact that we can see death. And because we can see death and acknowledge death, then that means there has to be the other side. There has to be the opposite of death. If, if all there was was death, we wouldn't even be able to see it. It's interesting, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. I got to plug one book since he... Since Please he do. It's, Please not, do. it's not a, it's not a, a nonfiction book, but it's written by Robert Anton Wilson and Robert Shea called The Illuminatus Trilogy. And uh, he starts off in the first page of the book before the story even begins. He said, this is... This is guerrilla ontology. Uh, ontology being the study of reality and guerrilla being guerrilla warfare. So it is a 1,348-page assault on your perception of what's real and what's not. And it's told in a story format, um, but certainly a lot of actual factual historical stuff is put in there in the story. But it's definitely dealing with conspiracies on all fronts, whether it be the Masons, the government, the Illuminati, the Knights Templar... Uh, so on and you know, so forth, all the way back to Atlantis, to high magic. Um, it's the most I've probably read it five or six times in my life. The first time it took me nine months, and then the second time I did it in three days. Wow! And it's you always find something new. But he, Robert Anson Wilson, was friends with Carl Jung and with Timothy Leary. He was a psychologist. He, his first gig was actually writing for Playboy as an editor. And you read it for the articles. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so that makes me question Hugh Hefner's alliance to uh, whatever he was involved right, in. Right, this right, guy right, right. propagating the Illuminati was you know, <laughs> sure. one of his employees. Anyway, I find it fascinating. And it, within it, there's so many other references that you can go off and start researching other stuff. And he kind of trickles in there very it's, subtly. It's, there's a lot to uh, to digest here, and it's been unbelievable. I'm really glad that we met up and talked to the truck yeah, stop because yeah, yeah. it made a whole different view of this whole thing. So, for sure. Great stuff, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, man. It's great. All right, thanks to Aaron and Brian from Gemini Syndrome. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'll be, definitely be checking out a couple of those books that Aaron recommended. Uh, it was great touring with Gemini, especially with Aaron and his albinoism, as he said, his albinoism. So uh, I never met a, a guy uh, struck with that disease before or uh, has that disease before. And uh, I learned a lot from, from, uh, from Aaron. He's a great guy, great singer, and Gemini Syndrome is an awesome band. So I'm looking forward to hearing the new Gemini Syndrome record. It's the third in a trilogy, and they're going to be starting recording next month. It might be out by the end of the year. If not, we'll just have to wait and see. But what you should not wait on is booking your cabin for Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rage at Sea. Cabins are going, man, going steady. We're on a sellout pace. Some decks already sold out, but you still got time to make the list. Everybody wants to know, hey, how do I make the list? Can you put me on the list? If you book your cabin before January 15, 2018, about two and a half weeks from now, three weeks from now, uh, you take a picture with me in the list, and you know what happens? When you go uh, on, on, on the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager and you book your cabin before January 15th, you know what happens? Huh? Huh? You just made the list. Yeah, that's how you make the list. Book your cabin before January 15th. You still got some time. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and take a picture of me with the list. I'll even write your name on it. Uh, For as low as 150 bucks, you can uh, reserve your cabin. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Everything included in the price. Remember that. All food, all the activities, all the wrestling matches, live comedy shows, live podcasts, Fozzie concerts, King concerts. Everything, it's all inclusive with the price of your cabin. The only thing you got to pay for is drinks and gambling. And if you're a teetotaler, they don't got to pay a damn thing. And you'll be able to come hang out in the ship with all of these incredible guests. Now, remember, 
They're not sequestered behind a wall. Uh, this is not Game of Thrones. We are all on the ship together. So who knows who you're running to eat dinner with, go to a show with, hang out with, have a drink with, gamble with. Uh, Jim Ross, Jerry the King Lawler, SoCal Val, Mick Foley, Rick of the Dragon Steamboat, Rey Mysterio, the Keep It 100 crew, Conan Disco Inferno, Shane House, Killing the Town with Cyrus and Paul Lazenby will be there. Beyond the Darkness with Tim and Dave. Brad Williams, Ron Funches, Jim Brewer, all doing comedy. Uh, Busted Open Radio is going to be there with LaGreca and Larry David, uh, Larry Dallas, whatever the hell his name is, Fozzie, Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons, King, Jim Brewer's Loud and Rowdy, The Dives featuring Evan Stanley, The Dave Spivak Project featuring Spiwi, uh, The Darlings of Rock and Roll, Cherry Bombs, The World's Greatest Female ACDC Cover Band, Shoot the Thrill, The World's Greatest Male Aussie Cover Band, uh, Blizzard of Aussie, and of course, Ring of Honor is presenting the Sea of Honor Tournament aboard the ship in the middle of the ocean we got a ring sequestered uh, a ring that's uh, we had to have a team of engineers come to make sure that this ring could be safely tied down to the middle of the ship and we got it so the entire ring of honor the top guys are going to be there uh, they're competing in the sea of honor tournament because the winner gets a shot at the ring of honor world heavyweight championship in the future the young bucks Nick and Matt will be there the villain Marty Skrull the American Nightmare Cody don't call him Rhodes Cody's wife Brandy Rhodes the Briscoe brothers Dalton Cass uh, Colt Cabana and Marty DeRosa will be there doing their unprofessional wrestling podcast. Think Mystery Science Theater, but watching bad wrestling matches instead. That's going to be hilarious. We've got some more Ring of Honor talents to be announced. Uh, everything's just going along great. So if you want to be a part of this, go reserve your cabin now at uh, ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And don't forget, DDP will be there doing live yoga on the ship. And you can check out uh, DDP Yoga by going to DDPyoga.com. DDPyoga.com slash Jericho to take advantage of DDP's biggest holiday sale ever get 30 percent off the ddpy dvds the app and all related match thanks to geico save money on your car insurance you're gonna need to save money after christmas uh, thank you so much for listening keep listening for the 62nd ap news headlines coming up next and coming up on wednesday the day after christmas in honor of Lars ulrich's birthday it's my first classic album clash we're gonna do uh ride the lightning versus master of puppets with brian posain and frankie kazarian we're gonna be discussing which album is better go through a track by track debate on which song we like best and we're going to pay tribute to Lars and Metallica it's the classic album clash we'll see you on uh, Boxing Day thank you so much, have a great Christmas be safe guys, don't drive drunk be good to yourself, I hope you get everything you want I hope you make it on a Santa's list I hope you stay off of Jericho's list and uh, we're really excited about the new year, some big announcements coming, thank you so much guys we will see you on Boxing Day in the meantime and in between time stay safe, stay hard, stay hungry peace, love and hugs and a big Yeah, boy, Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy, yeah, boy. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.